Welcome to Foundations of Emo, hosted by Claire and Danny. Each episode, we take one of our favourite bands and dive deep into their history and origins, reminiscing on our own emo roots along the way. Hello! We're back, baby! <laughs> Every time something happens, I just think of you where you're talking about um, Sonny Moore coming back to, from Fritz Last. You're like, he's back, baby! He's back! <laughs> and now we're back from our holidays. We're here. Yes, we are here. We took a little break. Not that big of a break, but a little break. I think we're only like a week out. From I think so, yeah, yeah, from usual our usual schedule, schedule yeah. which has happened by accident By accident, before, yeah, so. but we actually planned this one. Yeah, so yeah. it feels like a big deal. It's a massive deal. I mean, I nearly forgot that we had to do an intro. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. We're out of practice, we don't remember anything. So tell us about your holiday, Claire. Claire was away in Portugal. I was in Portugal, can you tell by my tan? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Two of the palest people in existence. I just went on a nice little sun holiday, just tanning myself, lol. Reading books by the pool, drinking a lot of strawberry daiquiris, drinking a lot of green wine. Green wine? Yeah. It's basically white wine, but they call it green wine because whatever region they come from. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It was delish. How was yours, though? I was in Budapest. I went over to the gig, to or for a gig, I went over to see Sleep Token support (laughs) Architects. I keep getting them mixed up because I really went, wanted to go and see Sleep Token, but they were only the support act. But like, I love Architects yeah. as well, but I was, I really want to see Sleep Token and it was incredible. The venue, Budapest Park, was amazing. We got terrace tickets because I was just booking it on some foreign website and didn't know what I was doing. And it was like, do you want to pay an extra tenner for terrace tickets? And I was like, oh, sure. That probably means I'm closer to the front. And it actually meant that there was like a private terrace with like a private bar and all this mad stuff that like I was it not expecting. So good. It was it was unreal. I felt like a proper VIP. But then I like left the terrace and went down to the, to the normal pit when the bands were on <laughs> the because <peasants. laughs> I wanted to be in like the crowd and sing along and everything. Couldn't do that standing up on the terrace. Yeah. So but it was amazing. Sleep token were incredible. Like I that was my first time seeing them live and they absolutely lived up to my expectations and exceeded them. I cried at one stage. I <laughs> It was a good time. It was a really, really good time. And then Architects were amazing. Yeah, just a great time all around. So you definitely go see them again? 1,009%. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the Sleep Token episode. See, they're not technically emo. Like, I did share a video on her Instagram yesterday and I was like, here, I was away doing this. Yeah. But then I was like, not technically emo. What do we think? Mm, I'd forgive you if you did it. See, here's the thing. You can't really do a sleep token episode because no one knows who they are. Uh, well, obviously people know who they are. Didn't they sell out some big massive stadium somewhere? No, but no one knows who the people are in the band. Sorry, duh. They wear but masks. you do, though. Yeah, but like technically you're not allowed to talk about it. And if you look up the people's names, like you can't really find much information on them anyway. Okay, so maybe in the future. <laughs> so they're a secret band with really good music <laughs> and listen to them. And bless, I felt so bad for, like, this. the singer Vessel wears, like, all this body paint, all this black body paint. And by the end of the oh, gig, it was, like, half missing. Sweating it off. <laughs> <laughs> it was really warm. It was, like, 30 degrees every day. Oh, God. And it was funny. Like, everybody that I talked to was, like, you're going to see them in the daytime? Because they're always in, like, these dingy, dark little venues with, like, loads of, of uh, yeah. smoke and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, no, right in the daytime. Real bright. So I've got really bright pictures of them. I mean, they still have masks on, so it doesn't, it doesn't help with identifying them, but... I think he didn't think that one through when he was coming up with his costume. <laughs> what if I sweat? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, what are we here to talk about today, Claire? We are here to talk about Seosin, and I got so excited listening to them. Okay. You're not, like, <laughs> the biggest Seosin fan. I'm not gonna lie, I don't think I've ever listened to them before in my life, before I have to listen to them for this episode. Do you know that you've seen them? Maybe. No, you have. I'll see. Because you saw them with me. (laughs) Well, they really stood out to me. (laughs) I remember it well. (laughs) I like, I kind of forgot that I really liked them, but they always come up on my, you know, the daily mixes that Spotify will make up for you. And I do always go back to like their original album. Okay, fine. Fair enough. I did that thing again that I always do where I just listen to that one album back when we were 17 and I didn't listen to any of their newer stuff. But I'm definitely going to go listen to them again now. I don't know. I feel like I know that album is really, really iconic. And it came out at a time when we were listening to so much similar music yeah. that I'm surprised that I never listened to it. I don't know why. It just completely passed me by. 
never bothered listening to it. And now listening to it as an adult, like for the first time, it's just not doing anything special for me. And I feel like if I had listened to it back then, it probably would have been yeah. absolutely iconic to me. But now I'm just like, meh. Well, do you want to learn more about them? Tell me everything, because I know nothing. I mean, I didn't even know I saw them, so... <laughs> I will tell you when. <laughs> okay, so Seos formed in 2003 in Orange County, California. The original members were Bo Birchall, who we've mentioned on this pod before, because he's done some producing for various bands. Justin Shikowski, who okay. could forget him. Do you remember him? No. You do remember him! <laughs> How do you not remember him? Is he the guy that was being really mean? The guy from The Used. Yeah. Okay, okay. I do remember. <laughs> Sorry. Danny, how long? I have the worst memory of all time. <laughs> Zach Kennedy and Anthony Green. So Birchall wanted the band to be called The Gift, but it was Green who suggested Seosin, which means careful in Chinese. It apparently comes from an old proverb where fathers warn their sons who are being married off for money to not get emotionally involved with their wives as they could die at any time. What the fuck? <laughs> Which I feel like that's just all men, nah? Don't get emotionally involved there. I mean, there's many other reasons not to get involved emotionally involved with men. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dying could be a good thing. <laughs> but Green's personal interpretation of it went a bit deeper and he said it was a reference to nothing being internal and how you shouldn't become attached to anyone or anything as eventually that thing will be lost. An optimistic way to look at life. Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> Just live your life as a big loner in case like people around you die. Or Everyone's you lose gonna it. die. What the hell? Just a few months after forming, Seosin released their first EP, translating the name, in June 2003. This is the only record of theirs to feature the bassist Zach Kennedy as he left the band soon after the release of the EP and was replaced by Chris Sorensen, who is still in the band today. It is also the only record of theirs to not feature the drummer Alex Rodriguez. Rodriguez was actually supposed to perform drums on this record, but he couldn't due to his prior commitments with his other band at the time, Open Hand. Translating the, the name has a guitarist called Pat McGrath, who has played some live performances with the band since. And then went on to create a makeup line. No, not the same Pat McGraw. It's <laughs> the most Irish name I've ever heard. Pat McGraw. This EP became super popular via online forums and music sites, most notably MySpace. It was produced by Birchall and featured five songs with a bonus disc available featuring two acoustic versions and has been described as expanding the limits of the post-hardcore scene. There it is again. All the bands I like fall into post-hardcore. Yeah, true. And I love this EP. I love, 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 I love, love I it. I listen to it, I'm not going to lie. What do you mean you didn't listen to it? They had three albums and I listened to three albums. Oh, that's I didn't fair listen enough. to any EPs. Side note, EP. Let's talk about that. <laughs> can't believe you don't know this. I just took it for granted that you knew what we were talking about. Nah, I hadn't a clue. I texted Danny when I was writing this and I was like, I was today years old when I found out what EP stands for. Extended play, Claire. <laughs> Here's a question though. What does LP stand for then? Mm, I want to say... Long play, <laughs> but I might be making that up. But it sounds right. I don't know. I don't know. I just thought EP was. I don't know. Never thought about it. <laughs> anyway, you learn something new every day. The success of this EP made the next event in the band's history seem even more bizarre. Anthony Green left just over six months after its release. He was disenchanted with the direction the band was going and felt like he was being left out of the writing process and wanted to pursue his own interests. He went on to form the band Circus Survive, who have achieved major success and have released. Six records. We'll head back to him later, though. I need to tell you something about Anthony Green. Oh, no! Wait, is it in no. my episode? Because you're going to spoil it. No, no. Um, so I was, like, listening to to the band. And I was like, man, they really remind me of someone. And then eventually it came to me that they reminded me of Circus Survive. <laughs> and then I was like, the singer, it sounds so familiar. And I was like, I ended up, I didn't want to spoil the episode for myself. So I just googled like the band members and I found the name Anthony Green and I was like clicked into his Wikipedia and I was like oh he's in Circus Survive that's why they sound like Circus Survive and completely like missed out on the part that I went to go and see his current band. Yeah LS Tunes. I went to see them in January (laughs) and this whole time I've been listening to him and didn't cop. I was listening to the guy I saw a few months ago. I was was real thick like I felt real thick after that. So absolutely nothing about them have been memorable to you whatsoever. Yeah, like, just keep forgetting things about them all the time. Uh, well, with Green's departure, Seosin finished their Warped Tour obligations with a member from Story of the Year. 
and then held public nationwide auditions to replace their vocalist, which ended up being the then 19-year-old Cove Reber, who had sent in a demo tape which apparently included a few songs from translating the name. Birchall actually thought the demo tape was Green playing a trick on them because the vocal style was so similar. And I can see where he's coming from because, again, I thought that Green left later on and was on the first full-length album, but nope, that was Cove Reber. And I feel like this happens to me every single time. It happened with from first to last. I didn't realise Sonny Moore had left that early and I thought I was still listening to Sonny Moore. <laughs> it happened with Escape the Fate. Didn't realise Ronnie had left. Thought I was still listening to him. It's a common thing. Well, I think it was... Well, no, that's a spoiler. I won't say anything. <laughs> It wasn't the first album where I copped that it was. Oh yeah, that it was Anthony yeah, Green, yeah, yeah. which it wasn't. So that's good. Do you, did you ever listen to Story of the Year? I feel like yes, but not religiously. As in, if you play me a song, I'm like, oh yeah, Story of the Year, bone. Because they have a new song out. They're just like everybody posted about yeah. it on Instagram yesterday. I never really listened to them either, but like mm. people are hyped. I feel like it's a band we should listen to. Yeah, exactly. They come up all the time. They're on that list of mm-hmm. like bands I should know. Yeah, kind of like Sayson work for me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, unfortunately for Reber, Seosin had already established a pretty hardcore fan base who viewed Anthony Green as the centrepiece of Seosin, especially as he had more experience, which in fairness probably wasn't too hard because Reber was so young. Little baby. Little baby. Many fans apparently view the band as being entirely different and often refer to the Green era versus the Reber era and debate about which is a better fit for the band as a whole. Which I thought this was kind of interesting because we've seen so many bands First Last being the one that springs to mind where the band is completely different from their first record to their last. Mm. See what I did there? First to last. <laughs> Due to all the lineup changes and different directions. Some shadowing. Maybe they, they manifested their own destiny with their name. <gasps> <laughs> with Seosin, it was essentially five tracks that were released with Green and then the band pretty much stays the same for years, but fans still consider this to be totally different. Okay. And I thought they were the same person. <laughs> So the next year, Seosin played the first Taste of Chaos tours with bands including The Used, My Chemical Romance and Census Fail. What a tour that sounds like. And were then signed to Capitol Records. In the summer of 2005, they released their, e- their second EP titled Seosin. They wanted it to be a free CD, but Capitol Records wouldn't allow it. So this EP contained demo versions of songs that would later be recorded for their first full-length album. And for the rest of 2005, the band continued to tour and open for bands such as Avenged Sevenfold. Okay. The next few months consisted of more touring, numerous demos and some compilation appearances before Seosin released their first full-length album in September 2006, produced by Howard Benson. Good man. You might remember from the last episode as he produced Escapes the Fate Hate Me album and Bo Burchill. Howard Benson also produced Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. There you go, what a man. What a man. Does he have competition with John Feldman? Mm. Nah. I mean, I like him, but he's not like... He's no John Feldman. No, not icon level, like John. (laughs) All lyrics on this album were written by Birchall and Reber, and all music was composed by the full band. The album features 12 tracks, including the song Collapse, which was featured in the movie Saw 4. I know it well. I don't. (laughs) Oh, when we were in Budapest, side note, there was this bar, like, just when we came out of our apartment and turned the corner, there was a bar, and in the window, it had, like, all these pictures of, what's his name? Saw? The guy from Saw, like, the stupid little puppet guy. um, um, He has a name. um, Yeah, he does, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. People are shouting at their radios right now. (laughs) What is his name? Oh, God, that's going to kill me. Can I look it up? I'll remember it tomorrow. (laughs) But they had pictures of his face in the window. And I was like, why on earth? Like, the bar was called something completely different. Like, it wasn't called, like, Saw Bar or anything. And it didn't look like Jigsaw. Oh, my God. (laughs) I not see the name. Fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, that's so weird. And then it had writing all around it. So I was like, I have to go over and see what the writing says. Because I don't understand why they have pictures of Jigsaw in all the windows of the bar. And I went over and it was like, if you can read this, you are not drunk enough. Would you like to play a game? It was really disturbing. I no. never went into that part. Oh my god. No, thank you. Oh, funny. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> that was the sign of the Matrix song. <laughs> the first song off this album is Voices, which I love, and it's been stuck in my head for weeks. It was listed on the top 46 post-hardcore songs of the 2000s, and the second single, You're Not Alone, which I also love, was listed on the top 10 essential emo power ballads by Alternative Tre- Press. What a... What a... <laughs> A list. I know. And now that I've read Essential that, I'm like, emo power what are the other nine? <laughs> I'd love to know what <laughs> the other nine are. Songs. So, Sin kept touring for the remainder of that year, which is when we saw them, Donnie. Oh, yes. 
I recall. <laughs> it was Taste of Chaos in November 2006. Okay. Well, I figured it was one of those. Because we saw that and Victory Records. They were yeah. the two, like, combo tour things that we saw where we saw loads of different bands. Yeah. But they played with Taking Back Sunday, Senses Fail, Under Oath, Anti-Flag. And this is how I first heard them. Okay. Because I knew they were on that list. And I was like, well, I don't want to waste a gig by going, not knowing who they are. And then afterwards being like, damn it. Why Could have I? done what I did. Go to the gig, forget you ever saw them and never listen to them for the next, wait, how many? 2006? How many years ago is that? <laughs> Too many years. <laughs> Nearly 20 years ago. <laughs> Side note again, who got asked for ID in Tesco? Me. Yeah. <laughs> Danny got fucking ID'd. I'm trying to buy a bottle of Prosecco and a bottle of alcohol-free Prosecco. And the guy came over and was like, do you have ID? And I kind of like laughed. And then he was like looking at me and I was like, dude, I'm 33. And then he looked at me and Claire and then he goes, well, you hide it well. <laughs> Absolutely made my life. Best I think he had life. to say that because I was there. He wasn't going to be like, well, she looks ill. You look great. But anyway. <laughs> well, if you look that old, I feel like you should have looked at us together and just assumed we were both of age. Yeah. Why would I be hanging out with a weird 17 year old? <laughs> True. Anyway, so the only songs I've ever really known from Say Sin were off these first records. And I do honestly go back to them, like I said, and listen to them. But for some reason, I just never ventured, ventured into their later stuff. I'm like that with so many bands as well. Story it's my like, life. I'm like, this album absolutely defined me as a human when I was 17. And I listened to it backwards, forwards, and I still listen to this day. They have other albums, which I've just never, never thought to no, listen to. No, I'm like, I didn't even know they had them. I just thought they ended after that. Like, once I turned 18, it was like, band never made any more albums. <laughs> 2007 was also a year of touring for them. They toured Europe, Japan, Australia and Indonesia, then went back to America for the summer and continued their headlining tour and were also part of Linkin Park's Project Revolution tour. Mm. I did not know this existed, but it sounds great. (laughs) It started in 2002 and it was basically a music festival that Linkin Park hosted and they invited all these different bands from different genres to play at. Cool. Sounds great. I've heard of it before, but I didn't know what it was. I thought it was just like their tour yeah apparently they got loads of different I think they asked Muse to play it at one year yeah random (laughs) Saison kept up the touring I'm exhausted just from reading about it they headlined yet another tour in America and Canada with Alexis on Fire and Norma Jean common theme of our pod Mm -hmm. as well but they used all this touring to their advantage and did what we haven't heard of in a while they recorded some of their live shows and released a live album with a concert movie called Come Close Okay. I don't know what a concert movie is. A movie about the concert, obviously, but <laughs> sounds boring. Hints in the name. <laughs> 2008, more touring. Seriously, they toured America for a little while, then went to Australia between February and March, then joined as the opening act for Incubus in Singapore. On their way home, they stopped off in Bali, Hawaii, and Mexico before doing two final shows in California in April. And finally, after all this, they gave themselves a well-deserved break from touring. I feel like because I've just been at gigs in Budapest, like obviously I, I follow Sleep Token very closely online, but like the next, the night before they were in Prague, the night after they were somewhere else. And then since then, like they've done a gig every night and like, I was so tired after going to see them one time. I'm like, how do bands do it night after night? Night after night and still bring the same energy. And it is, it's the fact that they're in different cities, in different countries. Like, so they're traveling in between and then doing it every single night. Like it's yeah. actually insane. That's what I was saying about We Came As Romans when we went to see them because I'd just seen them at Slam Dunk. And now I follow the bassist Andy on Instagram. And to say he brings the same energy every single night. It's crazy. I don't know how they do it. I wouldn't be able for it. I'd need a nap. (laughs) So many times. I was very tired after being at a gig one night. (laughs) (laughs) In 2008... They released another EP called The Grey, which was similar to their previous EP in that they wanted to showcase demos of songs that would later be released on their full-length album. So it featured three new songs and an acoustic version of Come Close. In January 2009, they hired producer Butch Walker and began working on another full-length album. Interesting fact on Butch Walker. Do you know who Butch Walker is? No. Me neither. He has been described as one of America's best singer-songwriters and has provided guest vocals for Fall Out Boy's song, you're crashing, but you're no wave. I made a cameo in the video for this ain't a scene. And okay. he also produced her album, Save Rock and Roll. Not a great album, but okay. Not a great album. I also <laughs> thought the same. I thought the same. Back to Seosin. Their second full-length album, titled In Search of Solid Ground, 
It was released in September 2009 through Virgin Records. Additional producers on the album include friend of the pod, Mr. John Feldman. Yes! yes. <laughs> Birchall and the bassist Chris Sorensen also self-produced five of the tracks. I only listened to this when writing this episode, but the first song did have me hooked. Straight away, I was like, I'll definitely give this a listen again. And that's definitely in contrast to a lot of the albums we've listened to this, for this, where I'm like, just need to get through it and never listen to it ever again. But I'd go back and listen to this again. Apparently, though, this album divided fans due to its change in style. Okay. What did you think? When I listened to the first album, like their self-titled one with the little beetle on the cover that's like so iconic. Yeah. I was like, as I said, didn't like grab me, but I was like, it's good. It's like, I know what they're doing. I can see that if I'd listened to it when I was younger, I would have been obsessed, but it's just not hooking me that way. Mm-hmm. The second album, I just wasn't feeling the same thing. So I was like, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Again, it's like, I know what they're trying to do and they're doing it and that's okay. Yeah. Fair play, some fair play. But like, I don't think I'll ever listen to it again. <laughs> oh yeah, I will. I say that now. And I actually did listen to the, because there was only three albums, mm. I started listening to them weeks ago when you first said you were going to do this. I think literally the next day I started listening to yeah. them. And like I actually got to listen to all of the albums twice or three times, which usually I don't because usually there's so many to listen to, but it, they just never grabbed me. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, I'll grab you. <laughs> Are you sure that's not an alcoholic for a second? <laughs> so weirdly enough, this album was removed from iTunes and apparently no one knows why. And then it was put back on in 2012. Hmm. It's probably some kind of label. They collaborated with Hurley for this album, which is an American company that sells clothes marketed towards surfing and swimming. Did you not know that? No, I did not. Okay. Look, there might be other people that don't know that. That's why I put it in there. (laughs) Okay. Is that okay? Sure. (laughs) Hurley broadcasted the recording process of the album live on their website, and one of the tracks, The Worst of Me, was released as part of a free Warp Tour song package that you could get on Hurley's website. Do you think that we're out of the loop or do you think that brands don't really do that? Like, I feel like all of these episodes we're talking about like in the 2000s and like brands and bands were like so intertwined and they were always like collaborating. And it's like, do they not do that anymore or do we just not like hear about it? I think it was easier and more exciting to do when you couldn't just go on Spotify and find the song. Yeah, true. And if you had to, like it was, ooh, you can buy a package and get this free before anyone else gets it whereas now it's like meh I can probably find it somewhere on the internet yeah fair interestingly unreleased songs were leaked onto the internet due to the live broadcast that they did of their recording process for the album they have no official titles but apparently fans have titled them the Norma Jean song back to greatness and the last one is just titled untitled (laughs) imaginative but I would have hoped they knew to kind of expect this because if you're letting fans see the whole recording process it's inevitable that they're going to be like, well, we've heard the song now. Yeah, yeah. Another random fact, the song Move Slow randomly was on NCIS's original soundtrack. You know that TV show? I can't say I've ever watched it, but I know what it Neither is. Neither have I, but random. The next year, they announced via Twitter they had parted ways with Virgin Records, stating, Yes, we parted ways with Emmy Virgin Capital. Not a huge deal to us. We're very excited about taking a DIY route again. Hashtag the future's bright. Yeah, a bit of a weird thing to say, isn't it? Okay. I just don't like the hashtag. I just didn't like the, not a huge deal to us. <laughs> like, calm I, down, guys. I feel like that's another theme that comes up in all the episodes is like, they're like, wow, we got signed to a major label. And then like one one album later, they're like, man, we need to get off that major label. <laughs> like we're taking a DIY route again. In Search of Solid Ground would be the last record of Seo Sins to feature Cove Reber. In July 2010, Bo Birchall made the following announcement. Well, a few days ago, Alex, Justin, Chris and I got back in the studio for our first group writing slash jam session. We've all been writing things on our own, but it was cool to get into a room and play with loud amps all together again. I am very excited about this record for a few different reasons. After five years with Cove, we've decided to part ways. So it'll be a new experience for us, not knowing what to expect in the vocal department, who will replace him, or if we will even find a replacement this century century <laughs> like, I just think he didn't phrase that very well when he said I'm very excited about this record for a few different reasons Cove is leaving yeah yeah he's like we all went in the studio we were making incredible things we decided to part ways with Cove and I'm super excited about it <laughs> yeah harsh 
poor old Cove was apparently asked to leave due to his diminishing stage performance and vocal abilities. The shade they throw at each other. It's just not very nice. But this was the band who was throwing all that shit at um, For Her Salas, wasn't it? Was it? You wrote that episode, not me. So. Yeah, no, it was. Because Bo Bertrand oh, did some of the when, producing. Sorry, and then, sorry, when they had that big thing about, yeah. And like the stuff that Saison were saying was so childish and so, yeah. as we were saying, like unprofessional. Unprofessional. And yeah. I also think this is very unprofessional, mm. all their tweets and everything. Justin Schakowsky, your fave person that you also can't remember, <laughs> stated to an online blog that we didn't feel he could represent the music that we have recorded well on stage. Harsh, harsh, harsh. And can he really be making comments on other people's abilities? Hmm? And he went mental. Hmm? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reber addressed his departure with a heartfelt statement in which he said he fell in love with Seosin in 2003 and they changed the way he viewed music and inspired him to pursue his dreams. That sounds like a really nice statement that it, he it made. Was such a nice statement. Like I was reading it and I was like, this man, like it was so cute. Listen to this. He stated in 2004... The members of that very band that I was madly in love with took a giant risk and gave me, the world's biggest Seosin fan, a shot. I got to play and make music with my heroes. Isn't that okay? That's really sad. He called all the members living legends who he highly admired and respected. However, he did shed a bit more light on the reason for his departure by saying that it all started with one comment directed towards him that completely drained him of all the confidence he had worked so hard to build up. He said it completely caught him off guard, but quote... Not one of my heroes stood up for me, let alone acknowledge that the comment made was truly uncalled for. Thinking you've let your heroes down in even the smallest way really freaking sucks. Oh, that, I mean, this band sounded like a pack of bitches. And then like, <laughs> from from the episode I wrote. And then they're being so mean about him leaving and he's just being he's like just the being nicest so person ever. He's so nice. And I'm like, I also find it bizarre that he's like the world's biggest Saiyan fan. I loved him so much. I'm like, they had five songs. <laughs> 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 but he then apologised to the fans if they felt ripped off or let down by his performances and made references to smoking, saying he never intentionally hid the fact he smoked, but he definitely didn't promote or broadcast it, but wanted to make it crystal clear that it's not a cool thing to do. Aww. So that's, I assume, where the talk of his deteriorating voice comes from. Yeah. But he stayed very respectful in his statement and promised he'd always support all of the members of Seosin, whatever they do. And he was just glad he got to sing, record and write with his heroes. I wouldn't be that nice. I'd be like, fuck you all. Well, not if they're being mean about me. Like if they were like, we respectfully want to let Danny leave the band. We've had a great time with her, but we think we want different things. I'm kind of like, okay, that's fair enough. Like, I'll go along with that and I won't say anything mean about them. But if they're just like, well, we're so excited to be rid of her. Yeah, I'd be like, well, I'm fucking excited to not be in the band, okay? <laughs> well, John shits his, shits his on stage. <laughs> just make up some mad rumours about them. <laughs> well, there were a lot of rumours swirling around who was going to replace Reber. One being Charles Fernie, who was the lead singer of a band called Secret and Whisper. Never heard of them. Never heard of them either. But Sayasin denied this on their Facebook page. The next rumour was about the singer from Tides of Man, Tillian Pearson. Pearson actually confirmed the rumours that he was kicked out of his band because he expressed an interest in pursuing the vacant vocalist role in Samson. Oh, that's awkward. Isn't that so awkward? <laughs> like, oh, that's... It's like you, like, thinking about applying for another job and then you just get fired yeah, from Yeah, because they're job. like, we heard you were thinking of going somewhere else. Piss off. <laughs> Things get even more awkward. Because Schakowsky confirmed this rumour with a rather awkward statement where he said he can't stand rumours so he'd tell the truth and Pearson has been hitting them up a lot he said it looks like he wants the job pretty badly if he would quit his band but the reality is we haven't even met this guy in person how embarrassed would you be if you were like <laughs> kicked out of your band and then the band you wanted to join was like Jesus this loser we haven't even met him <laughs> oh <laughs> A demo was then leaked, which led to more speculation that Pearson had joined the band, but it was revealed the demo was a track Seosin's bassist Chris Sorensen had been working on, and he had asked Pearson to record vocals on it. There was no further announcements about him doing a record with Seosin. Just to go off on a small tangent here now, I give some background on this Tillian Pearson person. Do you know who he is? The name sounds familiar to me. Mm -hmm. So personally, I had no idea who he was, and I hadn't heard of Tides of Man. No. So after he recorded some material with Seosin, he joined Emma Rosa for a while after their vocalist, Johnny Craig, left. So then, 
I'm not ringing any bells here. Wait for it. Okay. Johnny Craig was also apparently the vocalist in Dance, Gavin, Dance. Okay. So he's a bit of a Travis Barker because Johnny Craig is just in everything. So Johnny Craig left Dance, Gavin, Dance also and was replaced by Tillian Pearson. Okay. Is that how you know? I don't know. Maybe he was in Dance, Gavin, Dance. Yeah. I went, I have never listened to them in my entire life, but... I was on Twitter one day and someone posted about them being cancelled and like all this stuff and I went on this like big deep dive, fell down a rabbit hole, was yep. reading for hours on different Well forums. this is where you've heard of him so because he left Dance Gavin Dance for a bit and went to rehab to deal with alcohol abuse and during this time he was accused of sexual assault involving three women. He admitted to the encounters but denied it was non-consensual so I just had to get a little bit of a pervert story in there. Yeah. Haven't had yeah. in a while. That's, that's actually how I know pervert oh, no. stories. Yeah. See? Back to Southern. <laughs> At the start of 2012, the band mysteriously announced via Twitter that they were no longer looking for a new vocalist. I like it. I like the suspense. Yeah. A few months later, they posted a photo of themselves in the studio, dispelling rumours that they had broken up. In December of that year, Bo Burchill and Justin Shikowski were joined on stage by Mr. Anthony Green for an encore. He's back, baby! Yeah! <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so this was the first time the three had played together in nearly 10 years. And in an interview with Alternative Press, Green was asked if he would ever consider rejoining Sayosin, to which he replied he was not opposed to talking about doing anything in the future, and if the timing was right and it was for the right reasons, it could possibly happen. Mm. <laughs> Then in 2014, Sayson were announced for the Skate and Surf Festival in early June with Anthony Green returning as vocalist. He's back, baby! <laughs> they toured again in January 2015 with Green still with them and debuted two new songs. I feel like Anthony Green's very busy. Very busy, He's man. in like 85 bands. 85. Literally, last time I checked. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like he's also one of those people, like he's not leaving bands. Obviously, he left Sayson after the EP. Yeah. But like... He just tends to kind of be in all the bands at the same time, doing different projects at the same time. Where do people get the time for that? I don't know. <laughs> and how do you be in two bands at the same time? Because I feel you probably have a certain style of writing or a way of doing things. So how can you contribute different things to two bands? I suppose maybe it's kind of like what we were talking about on the Escape the Fate album where they were trying to do too many genres yeah. on one album. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're going to save your like heavier stuff for your other yeah. band and your more melodic stuff. I don't know. I'm just trying to... I'm just, just trying to... Yeah. <laughs> well, 2015 saw the drama... The drama? The, tra- the drama? Where the fuck am I from? Fair enough, Drama. Excuse me, it's South Dublin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2015 saw the drama we were shocked by in our episode on The Used, in which guitarist Justin Schakowsky was announced as their new official member. A few months later, Schakowsky stated that he had actually been removed in inverted commas, from Sayosin. And if anyone's commitment to Sayosin could ever possibly be in question, it wasn't his. Okay, calm down. <laughs> and in case you haven't listened to our episode on the news, I recommend you go back and listen to it now as the drama gets real. A bromance forms between Bert McCracken and Justin Schakowsky and it quickly turns very sour. Very, 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 very sour. I can't believe I forgot. It's his name, like, actually just rang absolutely no bells for yeah. me. Like, obviously I remember the story, but... I knew it was someone from Sayosin, but I couldn't have told you it was this mm. fella. Um, so he was replaced in Sayosin by Phil Sagrasso. Easy name to pronounce. Sayosin did a spring tour in 2016, during which they announced their new album would be released that summer. Three music videos followed, and their album Along the Shadow was released through Epitaph Records. And I have to say, I don't dislike this album, but usually when I'm listening to an album, there'll be certain like songs that would stick in your head or something, or you'll be like, oh, that's a good song, go back and listen to it. Nothing. No, none of them. Yeah. Yeah. No. I- like, I kind of felt that way about all three of these albums, to be fair. Like, nothing was sang out to me, even though I listened to them a few times through. Yeah. I kind of did, in the end, like, the first album stuck with me more than the others, but... Yeah, this one, like, I no, I couldn't tell you any of the songs on them. Maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention, but usually I have something on in the background and a song will come on and I'll go, Oh, I like the song. What is the song? But yeah. it didn't happen with this. There wasn't a whole lot to note for Sayosin in 2017, I ended up scrolling through their Twitter and the main thing I found was that they released some dog merchandise <laughs> and announced some shows for the following January. And then at the end of 2018, they reunited with Cove Reber for two shows. Sorry, after they fucking bitched about I him. I know! And I feel like he's just like, oh, thanks guys, yeah. I'm so happy to be back. <laughs> Again, it's a toxic relationship where yeah, they're 100%. like, I don't want to be with you. And then they're like, will you come on two dates with me? And you're like, yeah, sure, no problem. 
So during these shows, Green and Reaper actually did a duet for three songs, Voices, You're Not Alone, and Seven Years. And this was the first time Seosin had performed with Reaper on stage for eight years. That's really cute that they did some duets. Isn't it? I know. I don't know. I'm a bit weird about Anthony Green. I feel like he's very... This is based off, like, literally just seeing them live one time. Yeah. But, like, well... Yeah, I was going to say that you remember him. But, um... I don't know, he seems very, like, egotistical and very in love with himself. So I actually find it a bit weird that he'd share the stage with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. I do get those vibes. Mm. But in November last year, Seosin announced their first headline tour of Australia, but it came under fire, with fans claiming they had used false advertising. The promos for the tour had the tagline, all the hits, all the albums. And fans were promised songs from the 2006 and 2009 albums, However, in actuality, material from these two albums was almost entirely absent. Oh my god, I would... I'd be raging. I would burn the venue to the ground. Like, <laughs> we're going to see Funeral for a Friend and they're promising us they're playing Casually Dressed. And if they start playing shit from that Ships album, <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> You'd be raging. Riots in Manchester. <laughs> two Irish women were arrested. <laughs> During these shows, they played all five songs from their debut EP, but it mostly focused on their 2016 album. And people speculated that this was because Green doesn't feature on the 2006 and 2009 album. It's kind of like what you were saying. (laughs) And I did actually listen to an interview with him in which he said he found it hard to sing those songs because he can't connect to them. And therefore, he's not able to perform them properly. Yeah, I just don't like him. Yeah. And it's really based off nothing but a vibe. The vibes are off. Well, that's me green for me. A vibe is all you need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Red flag, red flag, red flag. <laughs> so in June this year, translating the name turned 20. How are we that old? And the band celebrated with two anniversary shows with Cove Reber making an appearance, as well as Zach Kennedy, your man who left after a few months, who was one of the founding members. I feel like, to me, that's usually um, like a green flag. Is like when ex-members come back because I'm like oh it's I'm good they yeah I'm glad that they still have a good relationship and you know there's no bad bad vibes there or anything like that but I feel like this band is so bitchy about the people who left it's really weird well now we're up to date with Seosin so I wanted to chat a little bit more about Anthony Green simply because when I was doing the census fail episode I was listening to an interview with Buddy Nielsen he got really upset and started crying when he was talking about this guy Anthony Green what and he was like, he's been through so much. And when I was listening to it, I was like, who the heck is Anthony Green? And why is Buddy Nielsen so upset about him? So I was interested. So I went and I did a little bit of a research on Anthony Green. So he did an episode with Shane Told on that podcast where I get all my info from. <laughs> Lead singer syndrome. And straight away, it's kind of like what you were saying. You can just tell he's one of these people where he was just born to be in some sort of like creative career. And he was saying how there's 24 hours in a day and you can get so much done. And like he's so lucky that he basically doesn't need any sleep. And he can keep going for days on end until he eventually crashes and then goes back to doing it all again. I was like, this sounds really healthy. Yeah, that's called workaholic. (laughs) So he's married with four kids now. Four kids. Yeah. And he said he put... (laughs) Eight. What is the fucking... (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? What's your man's name? Fucking Tommy Bow or something. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's Rugby Blair. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, it is. Yeah, I know exactly what we're talking about, but it wasn't. Was it eight? No, it was ten kids. It was ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ten kids! Ten kids! <laughs> four oh, kids! That's like four! <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh. Yeah, he's got four kids now, and he said he basically puts the kids to bed, and that's when he starts work on writing material. Okay. I just wouldn't be able for it. Dad of the year. But even when he was talking, like, you could just tell he's, like, his mind must be switched on all the time. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's just it's 24 hours in a day, and, like, you just don't need that much sleep, and, like, that's when I get all my work done, and da da da. I was like, God, I need a rest. Just listening. <laughs> but I did find it strange because he talks about the whole him leaving Sayosin thing, and he kind of says, he was almost jealous at first because he couldn't achieve that success with them or he wanted to be the one leading the band. But then he left and formed Circus Survive immediately. So I was kind of like, what was the big hurdle with Seosin? They only had an EP when he left, so it's like... But it was almost like 
to me it sounded like he had been forced to leave or something mm. he was like oh he's jealous I couldn't do that but then I know he said he didn't like the direction they were going but it just seems so early yeah, in their exactly. career to be like you've released a few songs and you're yeah. like well we're not successful now we're like so this we're isn't the direction yeah it's like surely you can change it up when you're yeah. only like five songs in but he's battled with alcohol and heroin abuse quitting for years and then relapsing in 2019 which is what Buddy Nielsen was talking about in that interview when oh. he got really upset I didn't know that He did an interview for Vice and the guy interviewing him was a former addict himself and he said how growing up you just hear about how terrible heroin is and then one day someone offers it to you and then it all goes downhill. But Green said that he was actually attracted to it for years before he tried it and he thinks it had to do with knowing about Jimi Hendrix and Kurt Cobain and other artists that did it and even though it has a negative stigma he thinks it goes hand in hand with creative type people because it makes you feel good and takes you outside of yourself. Sorry, Jimi Hendrix and Kurt Cobain and all those other people who had, like, really good experiences and, like, definitely didn't die early. Like, that's... But I just thought it was interesting because remember when we were talking about Yeah, Kurt we're always Cobain, like, why would you do heroin? And we just feel like it's such a big step to go to heroin from, I don't know, party weed or something. Yeah. yeah. So when he said that, I was like, it must genuinely be, like, some people must be, like, that attracted, mm. quote unquote, to it. Um, I anything worse. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm something into your veins. Ugh. And you might die. But sure, but might be a laugh. <laughs> we also <laughs> men- <laughs> he also mentions that there's a Circus Survive live DVD and he's on heroin the whole time and he's so ashamed of it because he was literally smoking heroin until 10 seconds before he got on stage. Imagine being in a band with someone like that. And just knowing that's what, yeah. And they're there smoking heroin just before you step on stage. God, my fucking nerves would yeah. be gone. That's actually why... We had to break up our band because Claire. And he's on Carolyn. Is it like this? <laughs> I would be able to do that. I drink a glass of wine and I'm out for the count for about four days. Could you the imagine? Drama. <laughs> we did a tour and after like no, I'd say if we did a tour, and after one of the shows, I'd have a glass of wine and that'd be me for the next. Like you I mean, like, be- we had to cancel the rest of the tour because Claire had two glasses of wine last night, so. That's her gone. Like, I'd be crawling on stage, let alone smoking a load of heroin, then be like, no problem, guys. Here I go. Maybe that's where you went wrong. Maybe that is. You should have gone for drugs instead of alcohol. That could have been where our whole career went wrong. Mm. We could have been someone. (laughs) But I did also forget that Anthony Green was a member of Elastunes until he mentioned it yeah it was and when I, I was listening this. to the third album is when I I didn't realise he wasn't on the other albums yeah but when I was listening to the third album I was like this sounds so like somebody and then I was like like Circus of Five and then I was like okay no it actually sounds so like them and then I had to go look it up yeah and I was like mm, still haven't listened to Alice since I think I did listen to one or two songs maybe they're fine I got very very excited about them when they came out because I was like oh big super, super group band, emo yeah. is back baby and like they're fine they're fine there is a part of me as well like I know that I said I have bad vibes about Anthony Green but the fact that he's in a band with Frankie Arrow and this sounds like so stupid but like Frankie Arrow is renowned as like the nicest person in the world like his fans his friends his family like everybody only has really pure good things to say about him everybody is his biggest hype man like anyone's ever met him says positive things I've never heard a bad word said about him so I feel like if he chooses to be in a band with Anthony Green Anthony Green can't be that bad yeah because I just don't feel like he would do that and that interview he did with Vice where he was it was actually a really nice interview because the interviewer was a former addict as well so they were kind of like chatting about things and he did come across as seeming really like nice and stuff to the interviewer. He was really like, oh, I don't know what he was saying. Like, yo, I'm real proud of you. And they're having real in-depth, deep conversations. But then sometimes when he talks, I'm like, God, he sounds a bit obnoxious. But then maybe that's just... He's very, very American and very like yeah. Californian. Yeah. But then maybe to be that successful and to have... Because he had something like six records with Circuit Survive or something that all did really well. Maybe to be that successful and have all that material, you need to be that kind of person who's a bit... Yeah. Like, maybe he's a really nice person, but he's just a bit self-absorbed. <laughs> but then I think sometimes, like, th- that Californian accent and that vibe can come across like yeah. that. I'm not saying all Californians are like that or anything like that, but just, that's the vibe. Yeah. That maybe that's where we went wrong like as well. We need to be up around holes. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> if we could go back and do it all again <laughs> we would smoke heroin and be up our own holes we would not sign up we're obviously only messing we do not condone or encourage the use of any substances on this podcast 
Only right? alcohol. Only no seco. And pro seco. <laughs> I am pro seco. No way. Pro- <laughs> I am no seco. <laughs> but that is all. I did kind of try and look into the other members, but Bo Birchall, we basically know he's produced a whole lot of stuff for other bands. And Justin Chikowski, sure, we know is a mentor, so. Mm, yes, that was, that was intense. <laughs> but I really enjoyed listening to Sausen. I wish I did. To be honest, when you said we were going to do a Sausen episode, I was surprised because I just was like, oh, okay, where's this coming from? I was like, fair enough. They've come up in a couple of different previous yeah, episodes, yeah. so they've always been on the outskirts. And as I said, I hadn't listened to them before. So I thought I was going to discover like some groundbreaking music because I know they are a big deal for a lot of people. Yeah. But I think the trick was listening to them back then and not it listening was, to them because now. Because when I listened, they, they are and like the way they were described there as power ballads. The lyrics and everything, you're like, oh, my 17 year old self loves this so much. Yeah. But I know what you mean. If you listen to it now, you'd be like, eh. It just sounds like a lot of other bands to me and nothing makes them special. I think I didn't realise how iconic they were considered back then. Yeah. Maybe because when we would see them, they would have been like, they weren't the first band, I don't think, on that list. But they were definitely the second. They weren't anything more than that. Because, you know, obviously the lesser known ones are first. So maybe it was just like in... Ireland and the UK they weren't that big in America they were huge but when you go back and like read about them and stuff they were so successful from that EP and yeah. it was like this was groundbreaking and with their like anniversary and stuff I feel like I've seen so many people talk yeah. about them and being like oh my god this CD was like everything to me when I was younger this is everything and like I feel like that about other bands but just not say it's them no. yeah <laughs> okay so song on repeat I need to check I always need to do this yeah, so bad uh, the first song on the first album. I can't remember what it's called. Don't tell me it's the same as my one. I li- literally looked it up earlier on. Now I can't remember what it's called. The first album album. Yeah, album album. Uh, it's far better to learn. It's far better to That's learn. That's my one as well. This is the first time this has happened. <laughs> we never choose the same song. That is my one as well. I love that song. Yeah. Because I, I went it. back this morning. <laughs> I listened to it this morning and I was like, yes, this is my one. I went back this morning and I was like, oh crap, I better pick a song. And I went to that album and I put that on. I was like, that's it. That is the one. And then I was like, maybe Voices. I was like, I know that's like their biggest song. Yeah. And I listened to it and I was like, nope, no, prefer the first one. Yeah. That's the first time that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So what's your song to skip? I need to look it up on my phone. <laughs> I'll tell you what my song to skip is. What is it? Which interestingly enough, you know the way you're saying Anthony Green, the way he said he couldn't perform those songs because he was, didn't feel like he could connect with them. He did actually say about this song that it's one of like the best pieces of music slash songs that have literally ever been written ever. Okay. Like, mm. So it is the last song on In Search of Solid Ground and it... Hang on, before I say that, that might be an honestly fucking lie. No, it is that one. Um, So it's on In Search of Solid Ground and it's Fireflies and it is the eight and a half minutes long song. Yeah. And... <sighs> what? I didn't write down what my one was. And I have a feeling it was that one as well. No, it wasn't. They didn't have a minute long one. Yeah, Fireflies. And I was like, this is so fucking lame. <laughs> it is, sorry. But that's because I understand what he means when he says, okay, musically, maybe it is some groundbreaking thing. But when you're listening to it in an album, it's just absolutely not. Not my vibe. Even because I, I remember looking at the name and it being called Fireflies. And then in brackets, Light Messengers. And I was like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's Sorry like, to people who like that song, but I was like, oh, I get fucked. <laughs> Light messengers. That's Fire like, flies. you know, somebody like came down to earth and had to like literally name things. <laughs> be like, Light messengers. Yeah, I know. I was like, why do they have to explain what a firefly is? <laughs> a messenger of light. I was like, oh, get a grip. Get a grip. Yeah, I just, it was one of those songs I was listening to it and I ended up going back being like, is this still on? Like, is this still the same song? I think I turned it off early because yeah. I was like, no, not for me. Now, Absolutely not. They have done shows and stuff where they've played that song and they've called back like different drummers and stuff to do it. And I'm sure like that live, it's maybe like, oh, wow. But not for me when I'm listening to it. No. No. Is that the first time that's ever happened? Yeah. Did you just not have one and you just copied me? No, because <laughs> it's when you started talking about it. I was like, oh my God, that sounds so familiar. That's the song I... That is it was so a couple funny. of weeks ago when I figured it out and I thought I wrote it down, but obviously not. I thought I'd remember. That has never happened. Weird. Hmm. Weird. Right, well, now for the next exciting bit. Because you've told me you've already started writing the episode. Mm-hmm. Who is it? Is it a random one? Will I guess? Will I know? 
But I'd be happy. Well, don't guess because then it might be a spoiler for a future episode. Oh, yeah. If I'm like, I was going to do that. Right, yeah, good point. So the song, or the song, Jesus, the band that I'm going to do next is A Day to Remember. Hmm. How do you feel about that now? (laughs) How do I feel? Um, I don't know. I don't not like A Day to Remember. But do they have a lot of albums? Uh, I can't remember. I feel like I did look it up. It's not, it's not like 10. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. (laughs) It's, It's achievable. I've actually seen them live before. I've also seen them live. Twice. I don't know why. I just didn't think you were going to do that. One, two, three, four, five, six. I can't count. One, two, three, four. More five, than three. Six, seven. Actually, it's weird because, like, I've started writing the episode. No spoilers, but like, one album is like a re-release kind of thing and stuff. So it's not really that many. I just love that song. Um, say three, four, five. The damn fall of us all. That's literally exactly what I just did. Let's go. Yeah, I sounded like really like what you sang. Christ. Claire, you have some listening to do before the next episode. Can't wait. Okay, guys, let us know in the comments what you think of Sayosin. Are you Green Era or a Reaper Era? And are you a fan of Anthony Green in general? Tell us your thoughts. Is he giving you bad vibes? Is he waving a red flag? (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to follow us, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok. We are Foundations of Emo and we are on X, previously known as Twitter. (laughs) Every time I see the logo on my phone, I want to vom. But here's a question. You can't say you tweeted anymore. What did you do? Uh, X'd. (laughs) (laughs) X me up, baby. Uh, we are just Foundations Emo on X. Who knows for how much longer because that is a dying platform. Absolutely. Um, but definitely follow us on Instagram. I posted a video from uh, the Sleep Token set that I saw. As I said, it was in the daylight. It's very bright. You can see everything. They were incredible. Um, also, you posted a video of my reaction to Escape the Fate song. Yeah. No, not Escape the Fate. Um, Fall in Reverse. Is, yeah. There is a live reaction to Claire listening to Falling in Reverse and seeing their music video for the first time. That's very funny. Do you want to hear something awful? Hmm. There was a song in my head yesterday. I was like, what is this song? It was that fucking song. (laughs) (laughs) When you kiss your lips, the ones between your hips. Please text me, I'm ready. (laughs) And I also posted a really cool picture of our Foundations of Emo sticker in Budapest. Yes. Yes. So, all you Budapest listeners... (laughs) Yeah. Hello. If anybody's here from Hungary, hello. How are you? (laughs) Okay. Bye. Bye.